you've done a TED talk, you've invented basically your own math. Um, you well, wrote a paper I, on as much as I like what you say. <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm not wrong though, right? I mean, he's invented his own math. He has a house he made out of cheese I'm, and small <laughs> people. It's a cheese little people house. It's a fan that he has invented his own invention. I do have uh, a patent. I'm close though. I'm close. I have inventions. I have a patented invention that measures golden ratio, but mm -hmm. I have not invented my own math. I have, oh. you know, I, I, the, you know, math is uh, something that exists with mm -hmm. or without us. Tokyo tonight. too far <laughs> we may out in a real nice car like clowns emerging from the tent you can pay my dues if you pay my rent yo <laughs> what's going on man how are you I'm, I'm i'm great great and grateful well read and ready awesome dressed and blessed how about you john i'm doing good man i'm i'm super fucking pumped uh to get to talk to you and have you on and stuff and today's been going good so i'm just excited all around Super fucking pumped was the name of the place where I used to get my coffee. <laughs> Anything special they do there for you? Yeah, they do the super fucking pump, actually. Oh, which nice. is, uh, <laughs> I don't recommend more than two. So you, so I got to, I got to ask you because I love the fact that this is you. You have done so much, but you started out in stand up, and that's always my favorite thing because I feel like comedians are never just pigeonhole as one thing. They're never just comics. They've always got something else going on and something else working on. But you started out in stand-up in... Uh, wh where did you start out? Were you starting out in L.A.? Well, if you really say start, mm -hmm. I did stand-up when I was nine years old at Camp oh. Kiwani in La Plume, Pennsylvania. Oh, my and God. Like, the talent show I did. Uh, and then in a more professional realm, when I was in Chicago studying at the Goodman Theater, which was one of the best experiences I've ever had, mm -hmm. I started working in clubs. They didn't even have comedy clubs at that time. There were folk clubs. Wow. There were old towns, a place called Ratzos. Uh, John Prime was playing in those days. Wow. Stevie Goodman, the Earl of Old Town. And, uh, yeah, and that's where I really started doing stand-up. Do you remember your one of your jokes when you were nine? When I was nine? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a guy named uh, Tommy Levine, mm -hmm. but he looked kind of uh, Japanese, and I, I had him say, I have a yen for a hot dog. <laughs> That's amazing. What I liked, I saw, um, I've seen your stand-up before and stuff like that, and it's a lot of, um, ex I feel like it's very experimental. You know what I mean? Like, it's not your typical... Like, I feel like for around the guys that came up around that time, it's not, you know, um, set up punchline stuff. It's very, seems very loose, very improvisational. Was that something that you had to grow into or something that you felt you came naturally to? That's a great question. It's always the direction that I wanted to go. Because, mm -hmm. you know, for anything I've done, you know, I be inspired, but I would not necessarily want to go down that same path. Right. Um, yeah, I would say my major inspirations were... Uh, Groucho Marx, mm -hmm. uh, the younger Groucho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, this is the way he added a lot. And uh, Jonathan Winters. 
Right. I can see a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Those two guys kind of uh, shaped uh, a little bit of my uh, surreal notion, but I've always had that desire to, to kind of move down another path, kind of a Thoreau thing, but not Thoreau too far. <laughs> who was your who were the guys that you were like coming up with because like, everybody's got their comedy class and stuff so like was it pete were there comics that you remember that you were close to that you're still close to oh uh, at the same time richard lewis hmm. i mean jay leno was uh was in that same era of when right. i first came out here that's um, awesome was yeah. there a lot of um like because I know that like back then you said that like the comedy clubs weren't necessarily where you like there wasn't a lot of them at the time but were you doing a lot of the road work and stuff like that and how did your kind of loose kind of an act because there wasn't a lot of people that were doing that kind of stuff did it was it uh, easier for you to go out onto the road or were they or was it difficult for you to do that kind of stuff you No, know, I don't think the the act didn't matter that much as long as you got the laughs right you know, I went out on the road and uh, did that and then here in town. Uh, there were some nights where I would do four different places. I'd do, you know, the improv on Melrose and the comedy store mm. in Westwood and then the comedy store on Sunset and then mm -hmm. some other place out in the Valley for some weird, weird night. <laughs> what was the place in the Valley? Uh, not... It wasn't oh, okay. a, a regular club. It was like some place that was having a comedy night. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, one of the ones that popped up. When did you incorporate voices into your? Was it early on in your act that you started to experiment? Oh, uh, yeah, it was sort of always from the beginning because that was like, well, they, I could do voices. I have a theory about that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I would create situations that would allow me to do them. Mm -hmm. Now, well, you know, when you're on stage, you can do a lot of different characters. Yeah. Because I always like, you know, people that did characters like Richard Pryor. Hello, right. Richard Pryor, uh, <laughs> you know, or Lily Tomlin, or people that uh, that did uh, characterizations, and and because I, I stayed at the Goodman Theater, my mm -hmm. approach was uh, somewhat theatrical, and I wanted to incorporate things that I learned there, just right. using the stage, you know, not just being played in one place, but you know, moving around and you know, walking right. essentially. Was it sort of like, uh, did you use it as a gateway into acting, or was stand up kind of all you had in mind in the very beginning and then acting kind of stumbled. No, I, I definitely uh, foresaw or foreseen mm -hmm. or foretook. I uh, <laughs> want to utilize that as, as a, a gateway rug Yeah, to slide under the door. And I think the first thing I got was uh, a movie that we called Hawkins. Oh. I think Jimmy Stewart was in it anyway. But, um, and that Roger Rabbit is because Zemeckis saw me uh, at the comedy store doing nice. my stand-up. Wow. So, and that is uh, kind of a tried and true method for people to access higher ground. Is that kind of a lot, that, that happened a lot more back then, you think, where people were just happened to be, because you said Zemeckis was in the audience. I remember some, um, you know, the same thing happened with kind of Paul Reiser, where when he got Diner, there was a there was a director that was in, the director was Barry Levinson, was in the Barry audience. Yeah. yeah, and like, did that kind of feel like that was going on a lot, where people were discovering stand-ups back then? You know, uh, as far as the historical perspective questions, I would rely to my friend, Dr. Schmidman. Yes, of course, in those days, you could go to a club, you never knew who would be on stage, who would come in. Look, Samuel Lachman is here, he cast the <laughs> Stuhl show. So, uh, right. Yeah, you know, everything is the same, and yet everything, the dynamic changes. You know, the element is the same. People sit down, they, they pay money, they laugh, and they go home. 
Right. But, you know, just the uh, the little tweaks of, uh, you know, the cancel culture and that whole schmagegi. I know. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't around back then. And now it's kind of uh, you have to make sure. I like that they're kind of making people put their cell phones away before theater gigs and theater shows. I totally agree with that. I feel like you're there to have an experience. You're not there to text or tweet or record somebody's fucking set or anything that they're working on. Yeah. That's new. Like, I, I totally for that whole thing. Um, yeah. Do you have that problem now when you're going out? Uh, what people's cell phones? Yeah, I have a jammer that I travel with. No way, do you really? <laughs> well, I have two jammers one is electric, and one is just a large guy named Larry. <laughs> <laughs> and if my jammer's not working, Larry go out and say, Put your phone away, we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna jam you up. And they go, Okay, <laughs> I like that. I need a Larry. I, go, I don't think I can afford the electrical one, but I could probably get a Larry. Actually, electric was cheaper than Larry. <laughs> You gotta pay for Larry's travel, plus he uh, has to bring, you know, friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you gotta bring he the jam, he need to bring the jelly. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I had to, I remember when Roger Rabbit came out, I was I think I was like five, four or five or something like that. And I had to like basically fight for to be able to see it. Because I think it was like a discussion in my house or whether or not I was allowed to go. Because they didn't know, you know, I think everybody knew it kind of had like adult themes, but it was just cartoons. I didn't get any of it when I was younger. And then I remember watching it when I was older and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> There's a well, there, there are some double entendres. Certainly. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a classic film. I'm, uh, I'm proud of that. You know? when, you, when you got the script for that, was it like... Did you did you get to improvise those lines any long like experiment with Roger? Were they like these are the lines that you got? Because I know that's like part of your process too. On stage. Uh, well, you have to remember that when you're doing it with any film, really, you know, you have a, a you take you know, your shot over here, then you know the master, and so things have to match up, particularly with this because it has to uh, one aspect of it has to then go be animated. So you right. can't do too much of that. But if I had an idea or something, I would present it to Zemeckis and. He would either say, uh, you know, try it or, or not. So. Right. That's but as far cool. as just free-forming, like you could do on a, uh, a Judd Apatow kind of thing, mm. you're kind right. of limited in that sense, just yeah. by the constraints of the technology. Right. <laughs> you said constraints of technology. <laughs> constraints of technology. I want to break you. That's incredible. Did you – Are is that um, – uh, were you like involved with other aspects of the film as far as like, did you get to sit in the room with the other guys doing voices or do they all do them separately and you get to play? No, well, my voice was recorded live on the set every day. Wow. I was in England for four months doing that. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, it's, I had the costume uh, lady, Joanna Johnson, who won Academy Awards, brilliant lady. I had her make me a Roger Rabbit suit that I wore every day. That's awesome. Wow. Because, uh, well, my main reason was thinking, you know, I'm born to England, and these guys say, oh, Wank is wearing the same corduroy pants he wore yesterday. <laughs> 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 so uh, I had him do that. And then we were at uh, Elstree Studios in Bournemouth, and I was at lunch or something, and uh, somebody from, I think they're filming Superman there, Superman 2, I don't know which one it was, mm -hmm. and the guy says, I oh, saw the guy from Roger Rabbit, he doesn't look anything like a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> that was their big concern about the whole thing? <laughs> that, you know, they're, they're yeah. doing Superman. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Bob Zemeckis is, 
he's just an extraordinary person, director. You know, he's, mm. he's a, a really brilliant big kid, essentially. I mean, and he's got this big train set and he yeah, gets to play with it. And, you know, and one thing about uh, Bob and really, I think, great directors, they will take, uh, if someone has a good idea, they'll take it, you know? Yeah. A grip said, oh, we'll put it over there. Yeah, that's good. Let's do that. As opposed to say you could say that to uh, Frank Schnoodle. Are you telling I'm Frank Schnoodle. Why, you're a grip? You're going to tell me where I should put my camera? I'm Frank Schnoodle. Get the hell off my set, you arrhythmic little flop worm. <laughs> telling Frank Schnoodle where to put it. It was a good idea, though. <laughs> and then he comes up with it 15 minutes later. He's like, I've got oh, an idea. Yeah, sure. like, he accepted the award for it. Yeah. The Schnoodle Grip Award. <laughs> Did you guys know it was going to be as big as it turned out to be? Because I feel like that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. One never knows. However, mm -hmm. one often gets a feeling that, mm -hmm. uh, wow, this, I just, uh, I mean, it was so extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Bob Hoskins, uh, Robert Zemeckis, uh, Richard Williams, who was the, the head of the animation department, and his, his skill set. Yeah. Um, it was just an extraordinary group of people, and... I had a good feeling, and it, it proved to be uh, pretty much right on. And, of course, you may or may not know I was also, I'll say in a self-randizing way, I was also uh, Benny the Cab and yes. Two of the Weasels. Yep. Yes. I love Benny the Cab, by the way. I wish there was more Benny the Cab and other things. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Lou, uh, Lou Rawls was originally the voice of that. Really? Wow. Wow. I There's lines in that movie that I repeated over and over again, and it was Benny the Cab. And the scene where Roger uh, goes after the baby. I think I laughed the hardest when I was a kid when he's trying to get the baby in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. The when opening cartoon? Of, oh, yeah. The opening cartoon was like, I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, I did sneak in a couple of things. This will uh, segue you into uh, other areas. Uh, Molides, which is my whole mathematical thing. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's based on prime numbers. But the main Molide system is 37 and it's reciprocal 27. And I put, I threw 37 in there a couple of times. One is uh, in that opening cartoon where it's something like 37 times removed from this. And then my Benny comes in at the end. I'm in a cab for 37 years. <laughs> so I, I snuck in some hidden Molides. Nice. For all you kitties out there, find the Molides in the rabbit. And then, woo. <laughs> you know, uh, the rabbit, I saw something online where somebody was saying it was almost like a, a matrix kind of thing, like, and, and the whole molies and I'm, I'm a rabbit and, and this, and that it was all part of this big mythological conspiracy or something. I thought it was right. pretty funny. Yeah. And that is the thing. Were you always, cause you, you've done a Ted talk, you've invented basically your own math. Um, you well, hold paper on. I, as much as I like what you say, uh, <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm not wrong though, right? I mean, he's invented his own man. He has a house he made out of cheese I'm, and small <laughs> people. It's a cheese little people house. It's a fan that he has invented his own invention. I do have uh, a patent. I'm close though. I'm close. I have inventions. I have a patented invention that measures golden ratio, but mm -hmm. I have not invented my own math. I have, oh. you know, I, I, the, you know, math is uh, something that exists with mm -hmm. or without us that's true you're right um i'm gonna still tell everybody you did though so there's <laughs> not in this okay stuff. well you can say i created a, a new understanding uh, oh, you know i discovered something yeah that's a much better way of putting it perspective was to see to see a certain <laughs> thing a dynamic which can allocate and introduce to uh, educate <laughs> love it 
Um, <laughs> what I was going to say was, was, this is something that you were interested in before you started doing stand-up? Did you always have a mind for math? Um, yeah, I've, I've always liked it, but um, it wasn't until I got a calculator that I was really set free. Wow. Because it was laborious, you know, five, got six, carry the four, carry the five. I'm so tired of carrying odd numbers, you know? <laughs> you take care of something even for a while. Then you divide that, and they take the thing plus that. But with a calculator, you just go, put up a time, one divided by 37, boom. Mm. You just put it down in tune. And the answer's there. Answer's always been there. Yeah, it's yeah. Locked in. It's it's magical. It's a whole realm. You know, letters are amazing. There's 26 of them, and you can create words. And they make up new ones for the names of drugs. Alcrada, don't take spudadwa <laughs> if you're allergic to spudadwa. Uh, how can I be? I don't even know what spudadwa is. How can I be allergic to it? Right. You can make up any number. One, four, eight, six, eight, one, zero, nine, five, four, and that number exists. It's there. And plus mm. one will be plus one, and maybe plus three, plus three will be a prime number. So right. it's just it's a whole realm that I think allows one to perceive a construct on which certain aspects of, of universal dynamical base yeah math might as well be like wizard magic to me like i don't understand <laughs> how I, I really don't like it's it is like magic it's like me watching harry potter like you know what i mean i'm like how'd they do that like i don't especially i don't understand it <laughs> would you say yes yeah, exactly well mathematics but you know look at some of my moly stuff see what i try to do is take take stuff this this mathematical or constructual or empirically difficult to understand mm -hmm. and make it visual Yes, that's where yeah. the dynamic is there is continuously perceived by those who are not able to perceive it without some sort of visual aid, yes. a certain remedy for a malady which is yet to be proclaimed. <laughs> I was <laughs> see now that's the thing. I was always good with geometry and those kind of things because they applied shapes, stuff like that. Anything else? You you throw numbers and letters together. I just I I don't understand yeah, it. Yeah, I was the same way. I, yeah. algebra, geometry. I did well in geometry, but mm. uh, but then the calculator set me free. I got so a something that clicks when you got the calculator. Uh, well, that's when I really began to do explorations. That's when I uh, first discovered Molides. The calculator. Otherwise, I'd be just sitting around. So explain what MOLEDs are for everybody, too, because I feel like that's a particular thing that not people don't talk about a lot. Uh, well, it is a mathematical system that I discovered. Basically, it allows me to see the symmetry that any prime number generates. Wow. But you can take it on lots of different levels. It creates this symmetrical system. Mm -hmm. And my hypothesis is that this could lead to understanding some basic construct on which everything is based. You know, you have um, molecules and you got atoms, you got electron protons, then quarks. I mean, is there a limit to the reduction of things getting smaller and smaller? Is there a point where there's just something we will be used to build up? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But uh, I would think that if there is, it would be something mathematical. Right. And uh, the dynamic symmetry that Molides uh, projects fits right into it. You know, if not, it's just it's it's nice to look at the pictures. <laughs> it is. Are you one of the? Do you, do you subscribe to the idea that math can basically solve everything, except that we just haven't gotten to the point where we know all the math there is to know at this point? Uh, no, I don't. I, you know, math is. Uh, I can't solve. We have to solve it. Math right. can perhaps allow us to solve some part of it or to understand a certain dynamic mm -hmm. 
and those things are kind of are locked into the construct of numbers themselves. But you know, it's up for the, the humans and and the lucky worms right. to to figure it out. Do you subscribe to the theory right now that we're like basically because there's a lot of talk about living in a simulation? Um, and even if we are like, I feel like, well, then what difference does it make if we are, because we still have to live these lives regardless. You know what I mean? Like if they find out that we are, what, what is it going to do? What did you say? Let me just get uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of people think it is that. And, and you know, you could say in some ways it is. I mean, if you start delving into the reality of what this is, I mean, it's, I mean, DNA, it's uh, mm -hmm. the cells and there's mitochondrial DNA, right. which is in the nucleus of your cell. And that, um, that only, uh, not in the nucleus, it's in the, it's in the, uh, the ribosome. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, that is uh, only passed on by women. Sometimes they uh, call it the uh, Eve DNA. And uh, uh, it's 37, by the way, 37 chromosomes in, in mitochondrial DNA. Mm. But things smaller, right? You look at your hand, it's that one. And, uh, you know, you know, there's like there's cells in the atoms and you can't see them. But when you see a plane vanishing in the horizon, it gets smaller, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe they're smaller, but it's just that they're very far away. Oh, you know I like that. Yeah. Like my hand is there, but those things are so small because they're far away. It's hard to grab on that. Like, hey, how could it be far away if it's, my hand is right here? How could it be far away? <laughs> hey, come on, science fiction. If you tell somebody, how'd you get here? Well, your daddy put some goo from his <laughs> pee hole in your mama's pee hole. And then you grow from that. Get the mm -hmm. fuck out of here. Come on, tell me the truth. <laughs> Go in a pee hole. That's such bullshit. You think I'm fucking stupid? Tell me how it works. It's good in the pee hole. Did you? <laughs> Where your life? Well, the sun, the sun shines down and the plants. So they take that file and they trade, they switch it to another file format, like JPEG to GIF or something like that, right? And then that file <laughs> format, uh, you can eat that. Or another creature, like an animal, could eat that and change it to another file format. But you're basically just eating sun. We're sun eaters. <laughs> more from goo. Yeah. Did you see that new thing that they came out with? That they basically invented uh, a device that um, can help um, sperm get to the egg. It's like a little robot. It's like basically Uber for sperm. Like it goes in something like that. But you know, I, I don't think it's too romantic. No, it's ah, what's that thing, honey? Hey, it's it's my sperm robot. Just relax. <laughs> just turn, turn it up a little higher, will you? It's it's annoying. It Vibrate slower, fast, but. Uh, yeah, it's so crazy to me. But I love it. They showed this little video where they were like, "See this?" And it's like this little robot, like picking up a sperm and like like how fucking lazy like <laughs> do we have to well i think it's kind of self-defeating the whole concept you know the whole idea is that like you know the the strongest sperm gonna get there like i'll show you bitches man i'll swim right. my ass up there go bam i'm in the egg <laughs> we know that's crazy they used to actually there's another thing that just came out recently they used to think that it was um you know it was it was basically that it was whatever sperm made it but apparently the egg sends out like some kind of signal 
and calls one. It's so weird, dude. I don't know. They're coming out with a bunch of other, like basically there's some kind of um, uh, a thing that the egg emits and one yeah, of the sperm it's, it's hears an it. And post. And then the sperm has to like it. <laughs> and then if the sperm likes the post, then they do like a TikTok dance. <laughs> and then if that gets more than a thousand views, the egg will say, come on in, bitch. Because I'm feeling like a fertilization. <laughs> this is great. I like if this is how you explain math to people who don't get it, I'm on board. I'm taking your class. I don't know what I'm it is. ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to elevate, educate, simulate. <laughs> so what made you write? You wrote a paper on gamma radiation. You know, gamma ray bursts. Gamma ray bursts. Sorry. Gamma ray Gamma bursts. radiation is just uh, that's what got to the hook. I know. And that's why I said it, because that's all I know. I knew you had a hooking. <laughs> well, you know, gamma rays, uh, it's all electromagnetic radiation, right. right? You got visible light, and then it goes faster, and you get the x-rays, and then mm -hmm. you get gamma rays. That's the, the highest form of electromagnetic vibration. Right. And um, I was uh, doing uh, watercolor paintings at this time, and I was, at that time, I should say, and mm -hmm. I was just looking for ideas to have different palettes, you know, yeah. uh, different combinations, different spectrums to use as my palette to create. And I was like Googling spectrum or something. And all of a sudden this thing came up and it was a gamma ray burst. And I started looking, I said, what the fuck is this? This is, this is nuts. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the biggest explosion of energy in that people know of in the universe. Right. Uh, it lasts very short or maybe under two minutes. There's over a hundred different theories as to what they are. None of them are consistent. None of them apply to all of the various kinds of gamma bursts that have happened. And the first thing I thought, wow, this is God TV. That was my first instinct. Oh. Oh, this is God TV. And then it just seemed like this isn't random. This is like there's something going on. Uh, it seemed to me like it was a, a method of communicating. Wow. Um, that's well, still hypothetical. No, but that's uh, interesting, too, because they just I think they just discovered I keep on saying just, by the way, but I really did read this stuff within the last few weeks out of the blue. I don't know why. Um, but I basically, do. they had. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. Um, they had a uh, they just figured out that there's definitely the uh, identified gamma signal, gamma radio, like um, gamma bursts or whatever coming from a certain point in space that's far away. They didn't know if it was actually gamma. Um, but now gamma ray burst, you mean gamma ray burst? Yeah, they didn't know if it was actually what it was and kind of where it was coming from or why, but yeah, they realized those those um signals that they were getting or whatever it is is exactly that, and they don't know why and they don't know what caused it. So well, your communication uh, thing may be uh spot we on. sent up these uh the Vela satellites mm -hmm. in the late 60s because we thought Russia was testing atomic weapons on the moon. Ah. So we wanted to have these satellites with these little scintillating wafers that would be able to detect gamma ray radiation. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they see them coming from outer space. What the fuck is this? This is not from the moon. Mm -hmm. And then they determined after a while, they weren't even coming from our galaxy. Right. So, uh, you know, as to what they are, I think I have uh, definitive proof that they're not random. As far as uh, saying that it is a communication from uh, highly intelligent beings, I, I can't prove that, certainly. Right. But, you know, it is, it's either that or it's just some unknown thing. It's, you know, when a, a spice worm farts, <laughs> it creates these dynamics, which are light gamma ray bursts. Right.
With our luck, it would just be something that simple. Like it wouldn't be anybody trying to contact us. It would just be a, some other being passing gas. And we're like, cool. And that indeed would be a way of communicating, would it not? <laughs> it would be. You're absolutely right. And that's the whole essence of like of humanity and, and intelligent life, it seems, is to like show off in a way. Like, you know, we sent out these little satellites with um, uh, and rockets with images of earth and, you know, to communicate, we sent out, look for radio signals mm -hmm. and radio signals, the low end of the spectrum, you know, right. it's like, like a skateboard compared to a gamma ray burst, which is, you know, that's like a Lexus. Yeah. I, that's incredible. So, and all this came from, I mean, I was going to ask you originally, so what made you want to, you got this paper published, but you had to get it passed through a scientist, right? Or you have to have it backed up by that. What was that process? Well, like? to be uh, on the archive site, you, um, which is part of uh, Cornell University, you can't mm. just publish it yourself. It has sure. to be uh, approved or sponsored by a scientist in the field, which mm -hmm. would be uh, astrophysics. So I uh, contacted this uh, uh, scientist and um, I sent him my paper and he uh, said, well, you know, you're taking uh, three dimensional data and you're looking at it in two dimensions. So you need to incorporate probability distribution function. Okay. So I said, oh, PDL. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. I was saying that all along. I wake up and go, I know I'm missing something. Probability distribution function. Why the fuck did I think about this moment? You know, I was too busy trying to find a pair of sneakers that I lost in the river. So uh, then I had to rewrite my paper incorporating that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but th there have been instances, for instance, uh, the structure of DNA. That was done by X-ray diffraction, mm -hmm. and um, that's two-dimensional, and DNA is three-dimensional. So right. it's uh, you know the the possibility of, of that jump is not by any means uh, too far to stretch the imagination. Right. So, is there anything you're working on currently now, like as far as like another paper or, or kind of uh, elaborating uh, on I'm that? I'm still working on that. I have uh, another person who's helping me do. Um, using the computer all of my stuff i did just basically by hand mm -hmm. and using um a protractor and a ruler and wow. just you know because uh, i would just you know link eight bursts and see what the angles were mm -hmm. so now i have someone that's uh helping me to do that and um and i found you know new things doing that so i just like do this do that and then uh through the program uh, it's actually uh using a program called python Oh, that's cool. Which I like. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, it's, oh, Tom, Tom, you're really low. You're 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 really low. I apologize. I was Don't just asking. Stay low, dude. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Stay low. Uh, <laughs> is it passing through a peer-reviewed system now? So is that what's happening? Like once it's submitted, does it go through like a peer review process? No, once it's well, the peer review is essentially before it can be put on the on the site. Okay. But gotcha. uh, basically, um, no one is going to find me a credible source. I mean, okay. uh, there have been uh, great scientists who met with all kind of resistance, and they were, you know, accepted scientists. So, um, you know, I called Richard Feynman once, you know, Feynman. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, uh, you know, when I first had Molage and said this and that, and, you know, well, what's your uh, background? Well, uh, I'm a comedian. And you click and say, mm. hey, you played a bongos. <laughs> you played a bongos. <laughs> nah. 
Um, I never even thought of that. They must have given you some looks when you told them you were a comic doing all this stuff. It's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just the way it is. You know, yeah. people don't want to uh, admit that something is valid if it pretty much, it's confirmation bias, you know. Right. Their whole life is spent proving there are no white dogs. And then you say, uh, I got a picture of a white dog. I got 10 of them. That's <laughs> the fuck out of here. Get that white dog bastard out of my office. White dog, fuck, they're no white dogs. I spent 40 years proving they're no white dogs. And every little schmuck comes in with a white dog shot and I'm history. Fuck that. <laughs> Uh, we got a we had a question from a good friend of the show. His name is Dan Pasternak. Uh, he wanted me to ask you about playing yeah. the head in a sketch he did with Pryor on the Richard yeah. Pryor show. Um, yeah. But it was a short, yeah, the short lived series. He wanted me to ask you about what that was like. That was fantastic. Richard Pryor uh, was one of my heroes. Um, mm -hmm. I once uh, painted a pair. He saw me at the comedy store, mm -hmm. and I had a, a some shoes on that I had painted, and he said, "You know, paint me some shoes." And uh, he gave me some white boots to paint, and I painted them. And I went up to his house and had dinner with him. And wow! And, uh, and then he had a show, and I played a pet head. So in his dressing room, I'm in a cage. Mm -hmm. And uh, then somebody comes in, and and he has to cover it up. So what happened in the sketch, which wasn't supposed to happen, when he pulls the uh, the cover off the cage, the cage comes off which was wow. supposed to happen. So I just went with it, you know, put that cage back. Don't ever take my cage off again. And uh, we just made it work. But, you know, working with Richard Pryor, I mean, come on. Yeah. He was, uh, uh, he was the best comedian I think I, I ever saw alive. It, just the, the passion and the theatrics and the honesty of his comedy. Mm. Yeah, he, a lot of. Uh, a lot of the, like everybody like still always ranks him as like the best comic that they've ever seen. And most of the comics that we've had on the show always talk about him at the store and watching yeah. his process where like he would literally go and bomb while he was working on material, like go to the store to bomb. And then by the time he was time for doing his special, it was flawless. Did you have that well, experience? I, don't, I never saw him bomb. Okay. However, he'd go up there and Paul Mooney, rest in peace. Yeah, uh, would be in the back, you know, making notes and things mm -hmm. to help Richard, and uh, it was just amazing. You know, uh, Chappelle is um, yeah is on that level. Absolutely, you his know? last special was amazing. The one that he just did—I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, yet, I just started. I seen like halfway through it. Ah, oh, so but fucking if, good. If anything differentiates um, Chappelle and Pryor, well, just the time they emerged, mm. and uh, I think Chappelle is maybe more grounded in a certain sense of of domestic purity if i could use that term as sure to richard you know i think he was raised in a, a house cute and yep. just uh and, and prior also had uh his the characters he did but you know Chappelle does characters too but they're both yeah. you know extraordinary extraordinary artists right yeah prior had a like almost like a uh almost like a kind of timidness to him on stage. You know what I mean? Where if you look at like, like especially compared to like Eddie Murphy, where Eddie Murphy was on stage, he had a very, a gruff kind of tough kind of, um, you know what I mean? Like exterior where I yeah, feel like prior was, um, mean. prior was not afraid to, to expose his, in, the innocence of which it. he may not had, but he exposed that and exposed a certain sensitivity that, mm -hmm. that speaks to humanity and that, you know, what it's like to be a human yeah and uh the issues are you know really deep 
Right. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, Richard Pryor. Yeah. And you so got to work with Dan Pasternak for that question. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question to you Thanks, from uh, Isaac Schnell, who uh, <laughs> asked me to ask you this question. He said, when you're shaving your beard in that wacky doodle configuration, you ever think <laughs> of just lopping that fucker off? <laughs> you don't have to answer. I'm putting that away. No more calls from whoever that was. I'm not- <laughs> I apologize, John. You no, don't it's have fine. to anymore. I'm hoping to just grow it all out to the point where with the black t-shirt, it's just a floating head. That's all you see. I appreciate that. Transitioning from my my uh, single head in a cage. Yes, exactly. There we go. It all comes full circle. Uh, you got to also work with another uh, hero of mine, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, uh, yeah, when- <laughs> I, you, I was in town, you know, I was working up there. I get a call from Rodney. Hey, Charlie, I'm doing a little movie. I'm going to come by the apartment. Rodney, thanks. So I get, and you know, any Ronnie stories, you know, like how he wore a robe, just a robe. Oh, yeah. And his balls were hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> I go to his apartment. Joan is there, his beautiful wife, private elevator. Right. He's staring a robe. It's a, it's a script, you know. His balls are just hanging out. <laughs> Maybe he want tea. I don't know why. I wanted to have tea. <laughs> oh, my God. That was. Yeah, I, the fourth tenor. Right. It was Harry good. Basil directed that, I believe. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That was a great movie. And there was a lot of you in it. It was you, Dom Irera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bunch of other comics. He was always really nice to younger comics is what That's I That's a really good point. A lot of guys uh, do not, you know, bring people on board. Right. Uh, but Rodney, you know, he was secure enough where he just, you know, bring him in. Like Andrew, Dice. Yeah. Rodney brought him, you know, got him going. Yep. Yeah. God bless him. And he loved weed too. That I yes, yeah. And yeah, you can yeah. say this now because it's legal. But I think right. he has heart attack and at sea or something. He was like having a hit in the back and the where he's weight, you know. Hey, it's just weed. What's the matter with you? Right, <laughs> Ronnie. It's cool. I'm gonna try combs on that fucker. <laughs> Do you remember what, what your transition was from that to like dramatic acting? Because I to think the first time. I saw you do anything that definitely creeped me out was when you were in Zodiac and you played one of, I think you were, I think they actually, by the end of it, it was either between you and another character that was the Zodiac, but you well, I was a red herring. Uh, yeah. I didn't really do it. You didn't really uh, do that. That right. was uh, just, you know, uh, there's another uh, blessed event, David Fincher. Mm-hmm. What, what an amazing director he is. And he would do lots of takes this. I didn't know when I, when I started mm-hmm. and the first night was uh, my scene where I picked Jay, Jake Gyllenhaal, who I knew yeah. little kid and went to school with my kids oh, and wow. I a car and it's like take 27. And I'm thinking to myself, the fuck, man, maybe, maybe I, maybe I'm, I'm in the wrong business or something. 27. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you know, Jake's in like, welcome to the club. And then I find out he does lots of takes. Wow. Uh, there was one uh, take with Jake it was over a hundred takes. But once I knew that mm-hmm. it was like, great i'll do five i don't care i'm it's like fun it's right a it's, let's go whatever uh once i knew that it was fantastic yeah and just such an eye there was one scene where there was a house in the background it was red and the sun was a little bright and he just didn't want it to be that bright the house right. so he just waited a few minutes so the the luminescence of the house would diminish right <laughs> what, what a what an eye what a man that's incredible yeah. I worked with uh, Zemeckis, David Fincher, Wes Craven. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. I was going to, that's, do you, do you, I feel like you're really, really like those roles that you played, you always scare the shit out of people, freak me out a bunch of times when you've done that kind of stuff. Do you enjoy it? Is that something you enjoy better than like, um, maybe some of the more comedic? Uh, I, I enjoy whatever opportunity I get to drive into a studio and, mm. uh, park my car and, and put on a suit. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, but I, I love both, you know, right. uh, of my, my training at the uh, Goodman theater, you know, it's, uh, and the better I became at doing what one might call serious actual dramatic acting, mm -hmm. uh, that enhanced my, you know, comedic and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. I think all the things that I do, some people might find it a diverse arrangement of things, uh, are all co-enhancing, you know, it's if I'm a better artist, then that will make my comedy better. And if my comedy's better, my acting will be better, and it'll all relate, you know. It's all right. I feel I feel like we've done about 80 shows and I think yeah. you're the, the most, the most, uh, and not only that, I feel like you're the true Renaissance man. Cause I feel like mm -hmm. you're not only an actor or a comedian or you in science, in music, in art, you have this incredible website that features a lot of your art. And, you know, we were just discussing that earlier. So I wanted to make sure we touch on that because I know we're, we're uh, going yeah. long. So I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Where are we at? How much time do we have left? We have another 20 minutes, I think. Oh, right? Yeah, we better get to it because that's a 30-minute talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have an idea. We'll talk really fast. Everything is easily double fast. And you talk at the same time as me. If we breathe in and breathe out at the same time, I know we can do it. Why, I once saw a man in Minnesota who talked 20 times faster than anybody else. No one can understand the book. He knew exactly what he was saying. This will work, I swear it. You've got to trust me on this one, fellas. Call Maluda. Get that house ready in Missoula. I've got oil that won't spoil. I've got text that won't be contextual. Why, this is going to fly, and my name isn't Herbert Craig. <laughs> oh, holy shit. That was great. Holy shit. I'm like crying. He's picking a Pope poop. Oh my God. <laughs> Is the poop poop holy shit or just the place to make it fit? <laughs> the Vatican is fit again, but not for him to shit again. Poop, 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 poop. <laughs> make it a song and you won't go wrong. <laughs> Cheer up, oh. fellas. It depressed me to see my house all ambiguous. Like <laughs> well, I want to okay, get, I want to get into your, I want to get into your art stuff, but I also know you're a musician too. And I heard that you perform with blues traveler, which I've gone to see live several times. So that blows me away. When, when did you start doing that? Was that just a random, like one time thing or. Uh, well, John Popper, I met him. He, uh, first thing he said to me was he, uh, was a thing that I did on Welcome Back Cotter, mm -hmm. uh, where I was uh, called Belly, and I had this talent show thing. There's a, a peanut butter and jelly song that I wrote. Right. Uh, and he recited for me. And uh, he knew I played harp because I played harp on that show. And mm -hmm. uh, he brought me on stage and I got to jam with him. Wow. That's, cool. That's incredible. I also, since you're talking about music, I invented a 13 string guitar. Really? Really? Holy shit. Yeah. It's uh, it's there's a six string and twelve string, which is just that double. Right. But this the thirteenth string, it's uh, it incorporates the five notes that are on a regular six string guitar, mm -hmm. plus the missing seven, so that the chromatic scale appears in fifths or fourths, depending which way. It's consistent all wow. the way across. It's more of an orchestral guitar, but mm -hmm. you know, 
I divulged because it came up. What's the address? I mean, you're saying that, that this guy Fleischer has a website where people can go there and see his art, and then yes. if they wanted to, like, you know, buy one for their grandma or something, they could just do it and they'd send it to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You got some pieces you can show us, right? Uh, I do. I have some things here. Well, okay. Uh, let's see. There's one. Beautiful Zappa. This is called Zappa's Zircon Zipper. <laughs> I knew Frank too. I had the pleasure of meeting with him, and um, at one point he was thinking of having me open for him. Wow! I met his manager Herbie Cohen. I know his kids too. Uh, this one here. This is the Museum of Self Reflection. Love it. That's beautiful. Every painting in the museum is of the museum. Took over three years. Oh my god! And, uh, I, mean, I have eighty-three different pieces on my site. Yep. And this is called uh, Jelly on a White Violin. <laughs> and uh, my title. How do you come up with the names? Because they're all all the titles are amazing, and I know that they're you know. Uh, um, well, it was important to you. for me to have the titles be little poems or little art pieces in themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, a still life with Apple. I can see that. I don't need that to be the title. You know, tell me something new. Right. So uh, conceptually, and, and Salvador Dali certainly did this to an extent, or uh, Robert Williams, the guy who did Guns N' Roses covers and really mm -hmm. cool, surreal stuff, would have really long, abstract, surreal titles. And it's one of the titles to conjure something up in the person's head that then would automatically relate to the picture through a bridge that's within them, through their own internal synapse. Right. And it makes Synapse of nonconformal association. Right. Your name <laughs> the future of five dollars in sixty-four cent pieces. That's awesome that it works in layers like that because even when somebody else sees the title for them, it means something completely different, as well as the piece of art itself. So it's just constant interpretation. Yeah, you said that kind of nicely, man. I'm just, <laughs> I'd like to just take that for a minute, man. Let it kind of like soak into me, just. Like a meta bombing fortress of solitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, Charles Fleischer.com. Nice. We'll definitely direct I'm everybody towards that. Yeah. You will. Mm -hmm. That's cool, man. I like that. You know? Absolutely. I'll they plug it. Anything they can just look and enjoy. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like I, commerce is important, but uh, it's just, it's nice that people want want your stuff um yes. i used to only sell my art after my stand-up shows mm -hmm. and uh and i like that because people would you know there's just a piece that they would see and they would want it and i had yeah. that happen you know um uh, when you know you just see something and it just it clicks you relate to it 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 fires something within you that you understand it and you want to you know have it artists is pretty magical in itself just you know, yes yeah. images and you relate to them and you want to look at them and see them in your house or in your friend's house or in your absolutely friend's garbage i did <laughs> <laughs> i did uh um i did an art show recently because i draw i was telling you i draw cartoons or whatever last time we were talking um over the phone but it was kind of my first ever like um exhibit that i did i was stunned that people even gave a shit because to me you know what i mean like like everybody else had these like pieces where like a guy would take pieces of a car 
you know, and like weld them and mold them into a thing. And uh, people kept coming over to these little line drawings. You know what I mean? Like the color color sketches. And uh, it just kind of blew me away because I didn't under like I always think they're just, you know, you know, cartoons. You know what I mean? But it still interests people. Well, yeah, it's, if the, that connection takes place. And also, I think if people know you and know of your work, mm. they that's another aspect of the connection. Like, you know who did that? I yeah. Did that. You know, that's like it's worth more than just some piece of art that, you know, Huli Manuli did. You know, I don't know who I don't even like the art that much, but <laughs> Huli Manuli, his sister used to babysit. <laughs> Frank, a named Frank, and he, he used to draw pictures with his tail. <laughs> so how do you and this? <laughs> how do you <laughs> how do you manage your time between um each facet of your own artistic like you know Outlets. personality interpretation like because is it is it when you have downtime you switch between or do you literally go like okay now i'm going to draw and i need to paint i need to do that it's i don't really believe in downtime okay but uh it is kind of seasonal and oh. you know like uh crop rotation yeah, you, know, you plant corn like yeah, two yeah. seasons, and then you switch a crop because the corn has kind of dissipated the calcium or whatever corn likes to suck up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, can find out what corn likes to suck up. <laughs> that couldn't be right. Just water. All right. <laughs> Just put some water on the fucking plants and let them grow. <laughs> God, I would love to be your neighbor. You are my neighbor. We live in the same fucking planet. We're in the same galaxy, Lanky. Have you seen the size of the universe, Lab? Do you know how vast it is? There's planets beyond the green. That was good for my friends in the Vavonian range. <laughs> Um, it's, it's cyclic. Uh, and like right now I'm working on, uh, I'm really focused on writing. I'm, I have a book of short stories that I'm moving towards the end of finishing it. Nice. So every day when I wake up, I hit that mm. and, uh, and I'll do that until that's finished. And then I don't know what will come next. You know, nice. it's just, uh, I just follow the flow. I try not to interfere with myself. Yeah. You know, it, if you trust yourself, then you allow your being to completely understand. There are so many <laughs> kinds of people in the world, they component. There are stupid people that think they are smart. There are smart people that think they are stupid. There are people that don't think at all, which is neither stupid nor smart because I don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm not, not a God, but I know him. <laughs> <laughs> I have to we have to wrap up soon but I've got to ask you two questions that we ask every guest that's on the show okay I'll take it thank you so uh first question if you could go back in time and speak to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice that would help you today what would it be I had a dream like that Ooh. I, spoke. I would tell my younger self not to believe me when I come back from the future <laughs> <laughs> that's smart I love that. Um, <laughs> Is there a part two, or should no, I? No, yeah, there's another. Them? No, there's no part two to that. There's another question. We're gonna. Oh, I love questions, especially ones that have the right configuration. Oh, oh I, I think you'll. I think you'll like this one. We'll see. So, uh, I have to. I have to ask you, what in your life had to end, be it good or bad, 
to have you wind up where you are today? Whoa. Mm. Well, what had to end? Well, end is an interesting concept. I would say resolve, maybe. There's something, uh, the beginning of the end is the end of the beginning. Oh, yeah. So like uh, what had to end was yesterday. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Fuck. That's a great answer. Dude, you know... <laughs> Yes, you'd be on a fucking podcast. You're not going to come on with an empty fucking mind. I'm dealing with intellectual people on the other side of the developing oceans. Wow. That was, I think that was the two best responses we've had and the two quickest. That was like incredible. Thank you. Well, we got more, we got more time. What? Uh... Oh, Do you have I actually want to know. If not, yeah. I will send you something mentally telepathetically. <laughs> <laughs> Mental athletics, athletically. Nine. Right, I'll take you next. Yeah, no worries. I, I want to know what, out of all of your interests, what feeds your soul the most? Mm. Mm, love. Oh, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> but what, which of those? Which of those interests do you love the most? Like yeah, which of your? It's like asking the, which of his children he loves I'm the most. Doing. Choose one. Whatever I'm yeah. doing at that moment, mm. oh, they, uh, they all, you know, they're all in the same soil, so to speak. Yeah, they all receive you. the same sunlight. So uh, whatever it gives me that at one moment, where if I could be drawing or writing or, or painting or you know just walking around the block thinking about stuff or trying to figure out something mathematical, it's all they're all it's the same process. It's like if you have a bicycle wheel, the spokes are radiating outward in apparently different directions. But they all end in the circumference. Ooh. See what I'm saying? Yep. So you may think that's not, that's not related to that. And now mm -hmm. what the fuck's going over there? I ain't the same. But hey, hold on. You hear what he said? A whale. Every point in the circumference is equidescent from the center. That's pi. 3.14. That shit is crazy. Diameter times this times that. Those motherfuckers back then, they had some chops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is reminding me. I got to ask you this before you go, too, because I feel like the, the, I when I was a kid, I saw you and Robin Williams at the Oscars. Um, and it was I think it was when Roger Rabbit was probably up for an award. Right. That, that is the, correct. We yeah. presented an award to Richard Williams. That's that's a yes. YouTube situation. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, is that was it hard for you guys not to because you're on stage, you're live, and I feel like you're two people probably that could have played for hours. Did you guys like <laughs> like have a hard time like cutting it short? Uh no, we uh we kind of worked on stuff at the improv the week before. Nice. And then the you know, they have a monitor that has the stuff on it mm -hmm. that you've written down. Sure. It went out. Oh wow. Uh which was fine, you know. Yeah. But you know, we had it was generally um mapped out. There was a couple okay. moments where it skewed. If you're wa really watching it, you can kind of like, hey, Robin, what? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. But uh, that was you know, working with Robin was amazing too. Yeah. Well, those that was that like your crew basically, like you guys got like the because it seems like you're part of like I said, like the basically like the fringe of those those comics you know what i mean like richard pyre you got to work with robin williams you got to work with those guys that's the kind of crew that you hung out with um 
I would love to say, yeah, man, we were hanging, you know, like I was with Fryer. Then I'd go running with Richard Lewis. Then Belzer at the gym. Then I'd come home and, you know, Jay Leno and I would box for a while. I'd go over to Johnny Carson's house and just clean his floors. But uh, basically, I'm uh, I'm a loner. I just, uh, I like being, I mean, my family, you know, sure. having kids and that. Yeah. And I enjoy, you know, there's a lot of friends and collaboration, but I don't mind being by myself and nice and working on my own business. Love it. Um, well, dude, John loves it too. He was a friend too. Oh, nice. my friend Miss Love it. He is in the afternoon. He was in the morning. Love it, and I would go down to the uh, to the Bowery and feed the bums limericks. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, do we have to wrap up? Unfortunately, I could keep you forever, but thank you so, so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate uh, let it. Let me say thank you to you and you both uh, because yeah. you're uh, spontaneous and your questions are, you know, because I'm sure you've seen many people that uh, are not equipped to do this kind of thing, especially mm -hmm. with someone that is a, a bit, you know, <laughs> and I call myself <laughs> with reverence, not like a. Right. <laughs> it's the same noise but it's all in the enunciation yeah. <laughs> of the particle because it, it could be it could evaporate oh man well thank you seriously that means a lot coming from me man and I, uh, I hope we get to keep in touch I hope you come back on again with us uh, well let's see <laughs> okay great thanks so much thanks God so much man. Peace. thank you Dystopia tonight.